Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Hello and welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bassett, I'm the CEO and founder over here at Wildman Web Solutions. Uh, every week, my team and I go live on our Facebook and YouTube channels to uh, just have an open Q&A. So we're here to answer your questions about technology, business, marketing, or anything else you want to ask us about. Uh, this week is a little bit different for anyone catching this now or watching this later. Uh, we do normally try to um, run this every Wednesday at 11. That is our regular time, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. I had a little bit of technical issues yesterday, so we're doing this on a Thursday today, uh, but we should be back to regular scheduling uh, next week. All right, with that show note out of the way, I want to welcome uh, my partner here, Mike. Mike, how you doing? Good morning, Miles. I am fantastic and getting better by the minute. How are you, sir? I'm I'm good. I'm happy to be able to get get us on here, get us live. No technical difficulties. Oh. We've had a little bit of a rough run of it in the last couple of weeks on this live stream, but uh, looks like we're good to go today. Yes, it was it was my fault yesterday. Apparently, I needed a new 220 volt adapter to connect my uh, my electricity to my heating unit. Otherwise, it was just tripping off the entire <laughs> circuit in my, in my house. That's what happened. Yeah, so yeah, I got I that cleaned up yesterday morning. Internet doesn't really work very well without electricity, does it? No, I I tried rubbing two sticks together uh, a little bit over my laptop, but after about an hour or so, I gave up. It, it didn't help much. Um, but yeah, we're live and electric today, Miles. Glad to be here. Wonderful. How can we help the people today? Let's give it our best shot. <laughs> well, like I said in the top, this is an open Q&A. So if you're watching this now, um, feel free to throw questions in, in the comments below. Uh, we'll try to address them as best as we can. If you're watching this later, um, then you can email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I do have that address scrolling below me in that crawler. Um, and like I said, this is a weekly show. So if you email us, we'll try to get back to your questions next week. How about a dive into content marketing, says Jeff. Mm. Wow, that's a big one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, want to <laughs> give us a broader topic, Jeff? <laughs> Yeah, was there anything anything specific, uh, Jeff, in terms of content marketing that you wanted us to dive into? You know, we, we've gone into it um, a few different times on the show, so I, I didn't know if there was something that we hadn't hit or something that we talked about before that it just needed more clarification. Um, but yeah, just content marketing in general uh, is, if for those of you who haven't talked, seen us talk about it before, is this idea where uh, we're basically we're creating things that people want to see <laughs> or want to hear or want to read um, instead of the traditional top-down uh, advertising model where we're telling them what they think that we want them to hear or read or think. Uh, and so it, it's a much more uh, kind of a reverse psychology than traditional advertising. We're actually trying to produce content 
that people are going to want to uh, engage with, regardless of if it has you know anything directly to do with uh, purchasing our products. Um, um, you know, we've, we've given a, given a ex- couple different examples of this, but you know, there's endless examples of it. Um, Red Bull right now is is doing this this whole channel. I believe it's on Netflix, where it's like extreme skiing and snowboarding, and you know, extreme sports and all these things. You know, so it's 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 giving content to who they think is their target audience, and it's talking to them with the exact things that they want to be uh, talked to about. You know, they don't necessarily care how long Red Bull has been in business or what the ingredients are or, you know, this or that. Uh, they care about doing active stuff and extreme sports and et cetera, et cetera. So that's what Red Bull is creating content about. Instead of just me, 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 how great is Red Bull? It's reversing it and talking about something that the audience is actually more interested in. Um, okay, channels, emails. Yeah. So those are all good questions. Um, I point you, Jeff, to that book if you hadn't picked it up already, uh, Content Inc. by uh, by Joe Hutzi, because that it, it, he lays this all out much better than I can do uh, here. But I'll, I'll give it a, a stab. So, so basically, the first thing that you want to figure out is who's your audience, um, and and that's it could be done a myriad of different ways. Uh, but you want to figure out who's your audience and find out everything you possibly can about those people, uh, which which with, with digital advertising, it's easier to do now than ever. So you want to find out who they are, where they live, what they do, what they eat, what they're interested in, et cetera, et cetera. But most importantly, you want to find out what are their pain points, what are the things that they need solutions to, and how can you help them? Um, you know, that's that's the really underlying thing here that we're, that we're trying to get at. Um, and then you want to find that what we call a content tilt. Um, and Miles, if you want to put the link to that to that book in the in the chat, that'd be I think helpful for everybody, um, but I find a content tilt. So, what content platform do you work best with? Oh, he's already ahead of me, Miles. Um, you know, if if you're somebody who's a great writer, okay, well then maybe your content tilt is blogging or um, uh, eBooks or something like that. Uh, if you're great on camera, maybe it's YouTube. If you're great at speaking, maybe it's podcasting. Um, but you want to find out, you know, what do you best at producing and a is your is your audience actually there okay he says got the book nice nice okay yeah so dig into that for sure but if for anybody else who's curious about this uh miles just put the link uh there in the content or excuse me in the comment section for you uh so you too could check out content Inc. it's great stuff and also his website uh, contentmarketinginstitute.com i believe is what it is uh has a wealth of resources as well um and then yeah and then once you find out your content tilt then you want to just churn out as much content as you possibly can on one channel start with one channel build your audience as big as you can on that channel and if it's that channel is a social media social media channel i'll just say facebook and youtube because that's what we're broadcasting to right now uh then you want to be uh trying to move that traffic off of your channel into something that you control which is usually an email list or a website and so then you can contact those people again and again on your own terms. Uh, and so if the algorithms change completely, if your YouTube page gets demonetized and you, you, know, you can't get as many views as you once did, well, at least you could tap into that audience in some other uh, way. And then the, then the only thing that left that you really have to figure out, Jeff, 
is how can I make this content consistent and be relevant to the, the end consumer? And you know, how can I provide value? That's what we talk about a lot, right? How can I get them uh, to get something out of this besides me trying to sell them something, right? Uh, how can I how can I get them to be educated, to be informed, or be entertained? Um, and once you figure out that, then it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Once you get it down on one channel, you can move to a second channel. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is that if you're trying to try to do multiple channels, it's best to contextualize that to each individual channel. Uh, and by contextualizing that to each individual channel, I mean actually changing the copy, changing the pictures, changing the words, you know, changing the things that you're saying, depending on who you're talking to and what platform you're talking to on. Because people act differently on LinkedIn than they do on Instagram. So they think differently on LinkedIn than they do on Instagram when they are uh, consuming content. So I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more laid back right on Instagram than I am on LinkedIn. Uh, and vice versa. So that's what I mean by contextualizing it to the platform. Uh, but Jeff, is is that pretty much what you were um, asking, or is there is there something else there that I'm missing in your question? And yeah, well, we're, there's a little bit of lag here. So while we're waiting for Jeff to respond, I'm just going to point again uh, to the comment section. Miles has put all kinds of great links in there. A um, little bit of a duplicate there. Okay. I was going to say, there's a lot of links in there. <laughs> but it looks like Miles is, is freezing again there. But, um, oh, there he is. What were you going to say, Miles? I was just saying in the comment section, I had put the link to the book as well as the link to the website. I just copied the link to the book twice. So uh, the second comment I put the website on is actually the website link. Got it. Got it. And you were right, um, it is constant, uh, the content marketing institute.com. There you go. Uh, yeah, so a wealth of information there uh, for everybody who wants to, to dig into content marketing. And I, I really encourage you to do this, um, you know, just a little bit of, of a high level thing here. This, this, is, uh, this is the way that marketing is going to be done, whether advertising is going to be done from here on out. You know, the old model is, is dying, albeit slowly. But it is definitely dying and the next generation you know gen z um and even millennials you know they don't respond already uh to top-down marketing to the old style near as much as they do to uh what we call this new <laughs> kind of marketing i guess uh although, although it's been around for a while now uh and uh it, it's really something that you need to invest in especially if you're going to have a long-term future you're going to build a brand you're going to build an audience uh, it's the slower way to go, uh, but it is definitely the, the way that you can make a timeless brand. And and just to show that it's, this is not some sort of a new fad, I know we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, but uh, this goes back, you know, over 100 years ago uh, to companies like Michelin Tires. Um, and, and, and they started in France as a bicycle company, actually. And John Deere, uh, of course, Tractors is a great example of this here in America, where uh, John Deere for years and years and years, they put out, I forget, I'm blanking on what the title of it, it was at the moment, but it was basically a resource um, almanac or manual, if you will, I think quarterly uh, published for farmers. And it had everything to do with what you would need to do to keep up with current information back in current, I'm talking about 
the late 1800s here. Uh, Kuro is pardon. The furrow is the name. The furrow. That's it. Thank yeah. you, Miles. All right. Um, another great example. Yeah, it's in it's in the book. Um, and so yeah, so they put out all this great information that was value to their end consumer, and it got the end consumer to know, like, and trust them, and to and to recognize that brand and to trust that brand. And they never put any aver straight advertising in the publication. There was never a hey, we're running a sale on a tractor. Not once. Never. Never not do that. Um, and so the same type of mentality is applied to these days to content marketing. Now, every once in a while you gotta throw a right hook. But um, but you know, but the content itself is not a right hook or, or an ask for money is what is the slang term for, for that. Uh, and yeah, the same thing with Michelin. They did um uh, let's say it was France and it was it was like I said, they were a biking company. And they'd made tourist, uh, a tourist publication, if I remember correctly, because at the time people didn't really travel outside of their uh, villages, their towns very much and go visit other places where road trips weren't a thing yet. Um, and so this was kind of like how to do a road trip. How would you go over to the next county and visit somewhere cool and have a great experience and have a day trip and come back? Uh, again, they weren't trying to sell their tires. They weren't trying to sell their bicycles or anything like that. They were trying to get people valuable information that was going to be uh, a win for them and get them to know, like, and trust the brand. So this stuff's been around for over 100 years, but it has really been accelerated in the last 10 or 15 years uh, or so. And it's it's really a, a premium method for uh, digital advertising and for the Internet. Um, and so, yeah, after you, uh, after you read Content Inc., uh, the next one is Killing Marketing, uh, where Joe Pulitzer just goes into even more detail about um, how this is the new, the new type of marketing and how you should apply it to your business. So, uh, Jeff, did you have any follow-up questions to that, or, or did I dive far enough for you? It's a, it's a deep rabbit hole. All right, yeah. Nope. Uh, got some more things in there. Yeah, we got that over here. And I was pulling up some articles over here on the Michelin Guide, which is the publication that you were talking about over here as one of the earliest forms of sort of content marketing where their initial discoveries were to provide value and not to promote directly, but rather to put good information out here. Here's the article saying, inform, don't promote. The value of the guide as a marketing tool only increased when Michelin took the advertisements uh, took the ads out and made it into a consumer product. Um, mm -hmm. And the other point they put in here was about evaluating and adjusting. So they were continually looking at how their content was being used, who was using it, sort of you know, what we would now call analytics and uh, the different kinds of metrics that we measure in our advertising campaigns and adjusting their strategy as they move forward. So they made something that was dynamic, that was adjustable, that was malleable, I don't know, the static versions of what people would call marketing now. They made something that they can grow and change over time to sort of fit the needs of whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, that's a great point, Miles. And, that, and that's something that, that Joe Polizzi digs into a little bit more in his books and explains how you utilize this method to really learn and understand your audience and to listen to, to the audience because it creates a feedback loop. And they end up just telling you what they want more of and what they want less of. And they eventually tell you what they want you to sell to them and how you can let them buy it from you. 
you know, if you follow this, if you follow this uh, further and further uh, in terms of engagement and creating that, that feedback loop of, of creating value with your end consumer. Yeah. And there's another famous company that I'm forgetting of right now that did the same thing, but on the East coast of the United States and they put out uh, basically a travel magazine. Uh, I'm, for, I'm forgetting now uh, if that was Ford or one of the early uh, vehicle manufacturers, but obviously these are all household names today, you know, uh, so, you know, that's how we know it works, right? Uh, and you think about, you know, they've all had tremendous competition over the years, uh, but this was the formula that really had them win out in terms of market share, market voice uh, over their competitors, um, if you ask me. So, uh, looks like Jeff has a question there. Yeah, he's asking about specific um, types of content. So what is the most effective in content format, blog, video, written, combo? Um, I'll, I'll let you expand on this, but you know, I answer it as a non-marketer. I'm sure Mike could create content and sell snowshoes to an Eskimo in any format out there. But for those of us who are less comfortable doing this kind of thing, the answer is whatever you're best at, whatever you are most comfortable uh, putting out there because um, it is important to put out good quality content. It's important to put it out regularly. Um, and if you hate doing it, then you're not going to you're not going to do it regularly. And if you're bad at doing it, you're not going to put out quality content. So look at what you don't mind doing, what you're good at, what your skill set is. For example, um, you know if you just really hate being on camera, you're camera shy. Start writing. Do vlogging. Um, if you suck at blogging but you or you suck at writing and you know that you can just sit here and talk about something um maybe video is the right means for you maybe you want to look at just audio put out a podcast um, there's a number of different ways that you can create content put out value and be engaging with your uh with your customer base um, and any one of these can be leveraged properly on a number of different online platforms getting them out there to your audience effectively um, but to start off with, at the very least, just start with what you know and what you're good at, what you actually like doing. That's going to be my piece of advice there. Um, Mike, do you have anything to add on to that as the actual professional marketer here? Well, I, I, great job, Miles. No, I don't. I don't have much to add to that other than um, you know I, I always make the joke that, and it's, it's it's really somewhat true that you know you could stand outside your business on Sixth Street with a sandwich sign. You know, or you waving at people and get results if what that is on that sign means something to somebody and is going to be a strong call to action is going to get them to convert, right? Uh, it's more of a question like you were saying of what am I personally feel like I'm best at? And so therefore, what am I going to crank out the most content about? Because any of these mediums can work. It's just a level of some work better than others, right? The guy standing on 6th Street with the sign can work, probably not the highest, best use of time and dollars compared to some of the methods that we have out there. But if that's what's going to get them to create messages and create content, stand outside with the sign. Uh, but to answer your question in, in a more general way, uh, Jeff, you know, in, in terms of what the platforms, the social media platforms in general are pushing right now and what they're really liking, uh, if you can do video, and specifically if you can do live video like we're doing right now, uh, that's going to be the biggest winner for you. But like Miles was saying, if somebody is camera shy and, you know, just 
clutch up on on live camera and not be able to talk well then obviously that would be a terrible decision maybe they're a great writer and they can put out a blog or something like that um so always fall back to your strengths but yeah in terms of what the algorithms like they like video they like live content um on most platforms you know other than something like medium which is all written content so hopefully that answers expand a little bit on a point you've made before, but I think fits in perfectly here. Um, it kind of seems like the natural follow-up question to what Jeff has asked here. Um, so I'm just gonna imply this last question. Um, and that is, you know, you have to decide what platform to put your content out on. You have to decide what medium to put your content out on, whether you're writing or recording or videoing or whatever you're doing. But the final question is, you know, how do I create content? What do I write about? What do I record? What do I talk about? Um, especially if I'm not just a, a natural writer, a content producer, a media personality. Um, and I think that there's a nice default answer that you've given before on this show and we've talked about a little bit. Is that if nothing else, you don't know what else to do, document. Just document what it is that that you do all day. Um, if you own a restaurant, then maybe bring a camera into the kitchen and show how to make something. If you are a plumber, write an article about easy DIY plumbing uh, fixes or uh, maybe the shortcuts to avoid because that's how you flood your house. Whatever it is you do, just document what you're doing throughout the day and put that out there as content. As long as you are doing good work um, and and presenting it honestly, then most likely that's going to be some fairly decent content and a good way to at least get you started, to get your feet wet um, and get you going on, um, on content marketing. Yeah, that's a great point, Miles. Uh, don't overthink it. You know, I think a lot of people overthink it and they think that creating content has to be a production, uh, that they have to be a media company. You know, it, it, you should, it would be nice. Uh, but it, at the very least, you just need to be creating something. Uh, and so if you're not able to create content, so to speak, uh, yeah, document what you're already doing or come up with ways that you could help people, that you could give advice to people and put that out there. Uh, and anybody can do that. Uh, you know, everybody these days has a good camera that has a decent mic on it right in their phone. They can, there's no excuse not to just record something and put it out there. And the other thing I would say is don't be afraid to put your mistakes out there. Don't be afraid to put your faults out there. The things that, uh, you know, obviously maybe not, you know, uh, if it's something that was, goes terribly wrong, okay, you know, it's going to be detrimental to your business. Hopefully you don't have many like things like that, but you know, use some judgment in what you put out, but don't, don't make it like, you know, offend some people with this comment, like, you know, as most sorority girls is Instagram feed, right? Where it's all the highlights of the best things that happened to them in that semester, right? Like put the bad things in there, okay? Put when the guy broke up with you too. So that's what I mean by the business owners can take a little bit of, of that advice as well and put some of their struggles in there because that's real. I mean, there's nothing more difficult, you know, arguably, than being a business owner. So especially during, during COVID. So, you know, don't be afraid to think that it has to be all roses and sunshine because that's not real life and people want to see things that are real and they respond better to things that are real and they engage better with things that are real. And I want to address the last comment here from from Jeff on this and then maybe we can 
we can move on to something else. But I think this is actually, he brings up a really good point here. So do writing and video. Bob is a great writer. I'm a ham. Is that a conflict? Um, no, absolutely not. I, I don't think so. I think um, actually that's that brings up a couple of really good strengths that we had kind of glossed over here. If you can produce content on multiple platforms in multiple mediums, then that can be a really good strength because you're reaching other people. You know, some people like um, like me, I'll just sit here and listen to podcasts all day while I work. So that's a really great way to reach me. Other people are on YouTube all the time. Other people are uh, voracious readers and they, they follow blogs. They like the, the written word. Um, so putting things out in multiple mediums is a good way to reach multiple people in different subsects of your audience. Also, you're doing something here that is what we were just talking about, leveraging your talents. So uh, a lot of us, a lot of business owners, we don't work alone. We have a team, we have partners, there's multiple owners, or you know, you've got a great management staff, whatever it is, um, and you all have different skills. You should leverage those. So if your teammate over here is, is an amazing writer, but you yourself are not, uh, then, then have him or her do the writing and you take the, the video or the audio element. Maybe you do the live, uh, Facebook streams, and then he does the the writing over here. So that's um, you hit on a couple of really awesome strengths there. That is, you know, leverage your strengths um, across your entire team, not just for yourself. Put out stuff on multiple mediums, multiple platforms, if at all possible. Um, and then finally, one we didn't really hit here, but a way to put out content on multiple uh, mediums is to reuse that content. Uh, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago, I think, but if you do video, for example, we can take the the video from, or the audio from a video, rip that and turn that into a podcast. You can take the um, the audio from a video or from a podcast and transcribe that into an article, um, or maybe just take the key points of that and turn that into a Facebook post or a LinkedIn post referencing your video or your podcast. So one piece of content can be broken down and turned into 15 pieces across different platforms and different mediums. And that could be a really good way to get your message out on uh, in multiple ways to a lot of different kinds of people and also not just eat up your day trying to make 15 pieces of content. Yeah, that's exactly true, Miles. I don't have anything else to add to that other than to announce the podcast coming soon. That was a good, good shameless uh, self-promotion there. Although I, I really, I, can. <laughs> I don't mind promoting this this show because you know we are we're trying to do it as a resource and answer as many questions as possible for people. So you know, hopefully we're we're being useful uh, to our audience out there. And um, if you think that this content is valuable, then yeah, check out the podcast that we're going to be putting out here, and also help us out by liking, sharing this video, and getting people to uh, to ask us their questions. So hopefully we can be even more useful to more people. Okay, I wanted to spend a little bit of time here on a, uh, a slightly different uh, topic, a little bit more technical. We'll wait here. If you want to throw in any comments here and put uh, your, your questions in the comments below, um, if you have any questions, you want to take a deeper dive on something, um, or you just had a personal experience with what, you're with what we're talking about here, throw those in the comments or email us at wildmanandwildmanweb.com. You can also follow us at wildmanweb. I've got that um, handle right below me here in the video. Uh, but over the last couple of days, been working with a client um, on on a new site, um, on and we're having some domain issues. So I wanted to just very briefly touch on domain and hosting, how all that stuff works, real quick. 
I had kind of done this before on the show, but you know, this is a, a question that we really do get a lot. So um, the websites kind of work like this. There is your actual website files. These are HTML, CSS, JavaScript, other code files that show what a website actually is. This is the, um, the structure of the site, the look and the feel of it, the colors, the fonts, the animations, the functions of what all those buttons do. Those all reside in files. These are just saved as you know, pretty much text files with the code in them. And then they are saved onto a server somewhere. A server is just, it's just a computer. Um, this computer knows how to interpret those files and run that code, process it. Um, that server and the space that you're taking up on that server is hosting. That When we're talking about hosting, we're just saying, this is the place where you put your website files. It's the box where you put the files into, and that's it. Um, then when we talk about domains, the domain is the address of that box. So um, when you put a domain into your browser, Chrome, Internet Explorer, Explorer Edge, Firefox, whatever it is, um, that's telling it where to look, what server to look at, what IP address to go to to find that box on that server somewhere in the world. So these three things kind of make up a full website. You need all of them. You need a domain, you need hosting, and you need the actual website files to be developed. When you pay for um, a, a website to be developed, what you're getting is those website files. And in addition to that, you need to buy some hosting. Um, you can do that through uh, a number of hosting companies. A lot of people use GoDaddy, um, different cloud hosting solutions, uh, Voltaire, um, DigitalOcean, Google has a, a cloud hosting service. Um, and then your domain, you get that from what's called a domain registrar. A lot of times this is provided by, do by hosting companies, but it is a separate service. And this is all you're doing is claiming that domain name and then pointing it to your hosting environment. Domains are super cheap, generally speaking. You know, a, a normal one is 12 bucks a year or something like that. Unless you're getting a premium domain name, then they can get pretty expensive. But generally speaking, very affordable, very easy to get. Then in order to point your domain to your website, to your hosting environment, you'll alter what's called the DNS settings or the domain name server settings. Um, that's what that's that's where you give it the IP address of your hosting environment, where you tell it, you know, this domain is post, is pointing to this particular box in this hosting environment. Once you do that, again, we're we're back into hosting. Hosting can vary a lot. There's economy hosting out there for like two bucks a month. It's nothing. So what you're doing there is you're just sort of renting uh, a little folder on a shared server. Um, server again is just a computer sitting in a room somewhere you're renting one folder on there but there's a ton of other folders on there it's a shared environment so you're renting out a tiny little space on um, on that computer along with a hundred a thousand other people it's really cheap because you are sharing it with a bunch of different people but that also means that you're not going to get very good performance because you're only taking up one little sliver of what this machine can do um, it also opens you up to security issues because if one person on there doesn't know how to build a good website and they get hacked, then there's a possibility that it can go from one folder to another to another. And that entire shared environment can be compromised. Um, so again, cheap, but not very effective, not very high performance, very poor security um, 
lots of problems with doing that, but it's cheap as hell. So there's that. Um, you can take a couple of steps up from that and go to sort of normal hosting, the GoDaddy hosting, um, get that for you know, 10, 15, 20 bucks a month. Um, and that's that's some pretty good stuff. You're not going to get incredible performance out of that. You're not going to get very good support, um, but the security is going to be better. Um, the tools that come with it to manage that uh, hosting environment are going to be a bit better. Usually come with a more advanced cPanel or some sort of uh, management tools to help you transfer files around and manage your website. But again, the performance isn't going to be amazing if you have a high traffic website or a website that's going to do a whole lot. It'll be okay for, for lots of smaller applications, though. You can take a step up from that and go into um, mostly these kinds of services are cloud hosting environments. Um, and this is uh, where you are getting a more dedicated section of a, uh, a cloud hosting environment. So you're going to get higher performance. You're going to get um, better security. Um, you're going to get a lot better tools for managing your site. Uh, some of them come with other services, backup services, security services, uh, performance enhancing services, um, analytics tools, all that kind of stuff to make it easier to manage your site. This is going to serve larger applications um, a lot better, uh, larger websites, higher traffic websites, um, and overall you're going to have less security issues at that point. And then finally at the end of that you're getting uh, something that's like a dedicated server. This is where like you are, you're buying the entire server, you're, you're getting this entire space all to yourself. It's this machine is dedicated to you and your platform alone. That can get really expensive. Now, if you are running a large scale mobile application or something like that, then you might want to look at, you know, if you're Uber, you have an app that's serving millions of people across the country, across the world. Um, you need this thing to be super high security, perform exactly right, or if you need a um, custom configuration, so you have to set up this server to, to operate specifically for you, then you might want to look at a dedicated hosting environment or a dedicated server. Um, those are kind of the different options for, for hosting. Um, I know I, I kind of went through a lot of that very quickly. It's a, a little bit more technical than the last topic we were talking about, but you know this is this is my world. Um, Mike, did I miss anything there, or anything that I should I should take a little bit further, a little bit deeper? No, I I just think the takeaway for me on that stuff is you're going to get what you pay for. Yeah, and and I think a lot of people they. They don't see the value in paying a little bit extra to have really great hosting until it's too late and they have issues. <laughs> and so it's 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 just yeah, it's just really you know use common sense. Uh, don't don't just buy something because it's cheap. You know, really look into how your it's going to affect the way your website performs, and take that against what you need it to do in order to make sure that your customers are getting the service. Uh, that you want them to think about when they think about your business uh, because there's, that's a real easy way to piss off a whole lot of customers is to have you know a slow lagging website you know and, and, and some of the issues that come up with cheap hosting and it's just not worth it you know in the long run uh, you know to have that uh, that de you know denigration to your brand uh, if you will uh, through the user experience of a, of a bad website so I mean it goes for websites in general, but I just don't think people uh, a lot of time take the uh, time to 
acknowledge how important hosting goes into having a great website and having great user experience. So absolutely, and uh, and and one thing on that, you know, I went through those different levels. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. I think, um, and each one of those has their time and place, except for the cheap one, the super <laughs> economy hosting. Just don't do it. Never do right. it. There's no reason to. Um, everything's going to crash on you. You're going to have security problems. You're going to have performance problems. Uh, it's it's just not worth it um, at that point. So you know, pay the extra ten dollars a month or whatever, and get at least that second level up. Go to go to GoDaddy. Go to um, Google. Like one of the, you can you can do a lot of fairly affordable hosting solutions that are going to work way better and give you less headaches. Now, if you can and you're really going to or you really want to do something good, then I would recommend going to that third tier and doing cloud hosting solutions. Um, that gives you a couple of different benefits. Like I said, much better performance, higher security, better tools that come with it. And also uh, one thing I kind of miss, and that's uh, that's scalability. So you can start off kind of small and just sort of pay for what you need and then scale up from that point. So. Um, say you're going to like SiteGround is a good cloud hosting platform or DigitalOcean or Voltaire or uh, Google has a hosting uh, cloud hosting environment. You can just pay for the minimum to start off with. And then as you grow and you need more space, you need better performance, you're getting more and more traffic, you can just pay for more as you go and, yeah. and it'll grow with you. So that's one, another really big uh, benefit to those cloud hosting environments. And if you really need something, uh, something big, something crazy, something specific uh, to you or your your app, then you know we can start talking about the dedicated hosting environments. But those cloud hosting environments really cover a lot of ground. All right. Well, that was that was my spiel on uh, domains, hosting, websites, general technical stuff. Um, if you want to learn more about anything that we're talking about here, you can go to our website, wildmyweb.com slash articles. We've got a full article section there we're adding to all the time. Um, there's articles on content marketing, on blog writing, on social media. There's also articles on some more technical things there um, on different kinds of hosting and uh, website development and SEO. Uh, so that's a really good place to start learning. Um, or like I said, we, we, I said earlier, we're putting links in the comments here. So go down in the comments and uh, check out what, we've been, we, what we have been linking down there. Otherwise, send us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Put them in the comments here. We'll try to answer them here or maybe write an article about it and give you some links. Uh, do whatever we can to be a good resource for you. All righty, next topic. I think we're going to be winding down here in a little bit, but I think we, we should probably do one or two more things. Uh, Mike, did you have any questions in your hopper over there? Yeah, I have a question that may just turn into a rant, uh, if you oh, will, no. but I'll try to... <laughs> I'll try to make it as constructive as, as possible, Miles, if, you, if you'd like me to, to. The question came about, and it, the question was basically, why not, um, to me telling a client that they couldn't use something uh, in their copy. Uh, and the reason I said that they shouldn't use it, I guess is what, what I said, uh, is, is that because it was an unsubstantiated claim. Uh, an unsubstantiated claim, I think most people understand the definition of that, uh, something that is a claim that can't be backed up. Uh, but how does that 
pertain to advertising, specifically in copy, and what we say uh, to our to our consumers, to our audience, and how that can affect our business. Um, and it's one of the 12 causes of advertising failure, actually. And that's something that I'll, I'll explain here in a little bit, uh, because I did realize that I've made reference to the 12 causes of advertising failure, I think, numerous times over the past several weeks and never really do dove into what that is. Um, and it's something that maybe people aren't uh, very familiar with. Uh, so I wanted to take this opportunity to dive into that a little bit. But yeah, so basically the client was wanting to um, you know, say that they were the best at something or that they could do something that was not being able to uh, be backed up by anything other than their own claim, you know, that yes, I can do this. Uh, and so as you might imagine in human psychology, you know, that type of persuasion is much less effective than a third party or a testimonial or something like that saying, yes, these people can do this. They will do this for you, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's obviously much more uh, persuasive to get somebody outside of our own self to say, uh, yes, this person will do something for us. So that's why it's a really big mistake. But the 12 causes of advertising failure goes back to a guy named Roy Williams, uh, not the basketball coach, but the Wizard of Ads, uh, who runs a uh, Wizard of Ads uh, Academy uh, out of Austin, Texas. He's been doing this for, gosh, I don't know, probably since the 80s at least. He's really, really big, especially in the radio advertising world. So this is what I would call old school stuff. And I know just a little bit ago, we were talking about how the old school type of, of marketing and advertising is going out the window, but there's still a whole lot of truths and things that were really, really relative uh, back then that are still relative and true today in the new digital and even in content marketing and advertising. So I think it's really, really important that people understand this. And so I'm just going to really, really quickly read through the 12 causes of advertising failure. And then there's a few in particular that I'm going to dig into and explain a little bit more depth because these are things that I see business owners making these mistakes every single day, almost uh, still in 2020. So the first cause is desire for instant gratification. Uh, and I always say to people, it's not like turning on a light switch. Uh, and people really need to understand that good advertising, good marketing takes time. And so you have to be able uh, to put aside your desire for instant gratification and think about things in the long term. Uh, the second one is attempting to reach more people than the budget will allow. This is huge for small business owners. Um, is that, you know, they, they want to spend a little bit here, they want to spend a little bit there, and they want to test things, right? And that's natural to test things. But if you don't have the budget to test things, you're really never going to be able to test these plethora of things that you want to test far enough to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen, uh, and it's usually the, the really small businesses, you know, the people that say I have $500 a month to spend on advertising, and they spend it one month over here, then a couple months later it's over here, then a couple months later it's over here, and then it's over here. And at the end of the year, they have no idea what worked, what different worked, what didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's like that old uh, advertising saying that I know 50% of my advertising is working, I just don't know which half, right? That's a common, common mistake uh, for small business owners. So that's why, you know, we say a lot of times to start on one platform, start with one audience, and then work yourself out from there and build as you grow. We'd rather reach, um, we'd rather get 10% you know, of the audience to go 100% of the way with us than trying to reach 100% of the audience and getting everybody to only go 10% of the way. That, that, that doesn't help anybody. 
So the third one is assuming the business owner knows best. Um, this one may sting a little bit uh, to the business owners out there, but uh, you know we call this one small business man or small business woman's disease. Uh, and it's basically the idea that you are in, in an unqualified position to really understand how your audience sees your business because you're inside the business every day operating. You're not outside of it looking at it from a fresh, a fresh perspective. Uh, it's a lot like being on the inside of a bottle and trying to read the label. It's much easier to do that on the, on the outside of the bottle. Uh, the next one is creating ads instead of campaigns. Uh, that one's pretty self-explanatory, but you know your, your entire advertising should be a sequence that ties together, not little spurts of ideas here and there that are non-sequitur. Uh, the next one is late week schedules. That one's not as relevant today as it used to be, uh, but I still people still see here. I guess people uh, making this mistake. Uh, you know, if you're doing anything like uh, recruitment, uh, employment recruitment, things like that, you should not be buying radio and television ads um, late in the week or on the weekend. You should be doing that early in the week. Uh, the next one is a big one in 2020. And that is overconfidence and qualitative targeting. Uh, you know, the great thing about social media, the great thing about Google AdWords and all these things is that we can target exactly who we want to reach and we can really, really hone in on those people. The problem is, is that we can over rely on that targeting capability and we can forget the most important thing. And that is what are we going to say to them? How are we going to provide value? How are we going to get them to know, like, and trust us? Uh, the next one is event driven marketing. That's that one's not, not as big of a, a challenge these days since there aren't many events going. Uh, but, you know, as I used to say back in my in my radio days, remotes cause cancer. Um, you know, if you're if you're doing something like, uh, you know, a, a remote broadcast or, or trying to create a one off event uh, in order to uh, make that a big sales event in your business, uh, that is a great way to screw everything up. Uh, because you got to go back to the very first mistake, and that's the desire for instant gratification. And that's what people who over rely on event marketing do: is they rely on these short-term wins, these small, uh, you know, windows of interaction with their their consumer and their audience base to create these massive results. And it's very, very difficult in order to do that. And a lot of times, it just ends in um, bad budget being spent. Uh, this one is really, really important, and I touched on it just a minute ago. Great production without great copy. Uh, you know, the most important thing is what you can say. Uh, and in today's world, with everybody, you know, doing video and et cetera, et cetera, and we love video and we think you should do video, but people get so obsessed with the image quality and the type of camera and cuts and the editing and the special effects, and they forget the most important part. And what are we saying to the audience that's going to provide value that's going to get them to know, like, and trust us? Uh, and then the last one is confusing response with results. Uh, and this is a big one. Uh, even today in the social media industry, uh, you know, likes don't equal sales, right? So, you know, people say, well, we put this post out, we put this ad out, and it got a whole bunch of likes. Awesome. <laughs> um, how many people bought something? You know, uh, that's what really matters. So it's not you know, likes are nice, uh, but likes don't pay the bills. And so let's not over uh, over qualify, you know, what our response is compared to what the actual results are. So 
those are all causes of advertising failure. Uh, like I said, a few of those there at the very end, I think, are extremely important. Uh, and a couple there at the beginning, uh, attempting to reach more budget than the people um, than, the, than the than the budget will allow. Oh, and I, actually, I skipped one, and that was uh, I skipped two of them, uh, and that was on purpose. Uh, coming back to uh, improper use of passive media. So improper use of passive media, we used to really think about that in terms of print, uh, you know, using newspaper, using magazines, things like that. Um, and uh, luckily, people aren't making that mistake as much <laughs> as they are as used to be in the past. But in the same token, a lot of people are using passive type of content in, say, social media. Uh, what I mean by that is that they're not using content that goes out and engages, or they're not using things like video. Uh, you know, they're just using you know written text and things like that. Um, those obviously don't get near the results as something that's going to be engaging, that's going to be uh, multimedia, that's going to be 3D, uh, such as a live video like we're doing right now. Um, and then the last one, the one that I skipped over because I wanted to come back to it because it was uh, what started all this, is unsubstantiated claims. Um, and we hear this all the time, uh, you know, it's, it's the highest quality at the lowest price, it's the best deal in town, uh, it's the most friendliest service you're going to find, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And really what they are is they're empty promises. And I really encourage you, uh, you know, to, to do an audit of the messaging that you're doing in your business and to make sure that you're not using unsubstantiated claims and that you're not, uh, you know, relying too much on targeting instead of what you're saying. And these kind of things, because these types of um, mistakes can really, really hurt somebody because they're usually making them as they're spending a whole lot of money in order to reach people. Uh, you know, the next time you uh, are watching cable television or you're listening to the radio or you're scrolling on Facebook, uh, stop and look at some of the ads that people are running. And most of the time when they make a claim, it can be easily followed by, well, duh, or I'd hope so. You know, because they're not really saying anything that matters and they're not really saying anything that is that, that is a substantiated claim. Uh, and the problem is, and it breaks my heart, is that they're spending a whole lot of money usually in order to say these things. Um, and so, you know, that's why I read books like, like these, uh, because, you know, uh, and this guy's great. You should, you should read all of Mr. Edwards' books. Uh, but it really is the most important thing that you can do in terms of your marketing and your messaging in your business is get the messaging down right, get the copy down right, and say the right things to people and stop using unsubstantiated claims. Um, find another way to say it, find a way to somebody to say it for you or go out and get testimonials, go get a third party case study, you know, have some empirical objective way to say that you're great and you're wonderful and you're gonna do a good job for people. Don't just go out and say that yourself because you're just wasting time and money. So there is kind of an answer to a question, Miles, that was really just kind of more of a passive aggressive rant. And, and, and also I want to take the opportunity to explain the importance of the 12 causes of advertising failure um, uh, to the audience out there. And I hope that they get something out of that and they go and they look up Red Williams. And really that is just a small part of his amazing book uh, called The Wizard of Ads. So since we're giving people a long list of things to uh, go out and buy today, there's another one for you. Um, did you have anything to add to that, Miles, or any questions out there from the viewers? 
Uh, just one thing here, and that is that I went ahead and threw that link uh, to the um, PDF file of the 12 causes of advertising failures that we're reading off of over here um, in the comments below. So if you want to read through some of those things, um, I do find it interesting, you know, reading through some of this, at least the one that um, I'm looking at is talking about a lot of older media, talking about print, talking about newspapers and everything, but how relevant it is to here and now you just got to replace a couple of keywords in there and it's it's the same thing going on here I, I find that really interesting the more we have these kind of marketing discussions and relating um old word old world media to new world media um and you know i i, I would suspect that it's just completely different we're in a completely different world than we were in even 15 years ago but how similar it all is truth is timeless yes yeah it, it really is you know like i said there's a lot of things about the old media the old style of advertising that that aren't relevant today but there's just as many that are as relevant today or and are as true as ever and miles i'll just tack in one one closing thing right, right here at the end um and when i when i hear the one about um assuming the business owner knows best that one always makes me think about the marketing bridge which, which is also a really old concept in marketing. I mean, I think it goes all the way back to the 1960s. It's like, you know, Mad Men type of stuff. Uh, it is something that we deal with all the time uh, here in 2020, and I imagine we will until we are old and gray and, 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 going, and going away. Um, and, and, and the marketing bridge, of course, you know, we reference it a lot, but I'll just give a definition. Uh, the marketing bridge is, is the idea that what you're saying in your advertising and marketing has to sync up with what people are actually experiencing when they when they do business with you, right? So uh, the one I always, example I always use is that if you're telling people you have the friendliest wait staff in town, and that's, that's your catchphrase, and then they're coming in there and they're getting bad service, that's going to hurt you way more than if you, that you weren't relying all your marketing on. We're the friendliest people in town. So everything that you say has got to match up with what they actually experience. And the thing that I find really uh, remarkable about this whole concept is that it is amplified probably a hundred times now that within the age of Yelp and the age of instant reviews and all this stuff where the consumer can immediately <laughs> trash your business online and say how terrible you know the experience that they had there, whereas they obviously couldn't do that in the 1960s. But so it's way more important uh, today to have a, a strong marketing bridge than it has ever been. Uh, and it also goes back to that that idea, you know, that your people are spending a lot of money in order to find out all the mistakes. <laughs> in order, they're paying me in order for their audience to find out all the mistakes that they're making. Uh, you know, I always tell people that good advertising is going to do one of two things: it's going to make you grow, or it's going to make you go out of business faster. You know, and that all depends on the marketing bridge. And all of those things that happen inside of a business to determine whether or not a customer is happy about it. And so before we do any kind of a large-scale advertising campaign, we have to fix or at least be aware of the problems in our marketing bridge and where that might be crumbling. And otherwise, we're really just pissing away money in the wind. So I'll leave it on that. That's a good note to end it on. I think we've been going for almost exactly an hour now. So I think we're going to call it close for today. Yeah. Uh, tune it in next like week. One, it looks like there's one last question I just saw from Jeff. 
Uh, was Muhammad Ali making unsubstantiated claims? You know, Jeff, uh, that's a great question, and I'll, I'll just I'll just leave it with something uh, that my granddaddy used to tell me. He used to say, "You know what? If you done it, it ain't bragging." So he backed it up. Uh, so Muhammad Ali could say whatever he wanted. All right. Thanks for the, thanks for the questions, Jeff. As always. All right, now you can now you can take us out. All right, all right. He like said next uh, next week we're going to be coming back uh, at our regular time Wednesdays at eleven a.m. Uh, this should be a regular uh, weekly occurrence. We're publishing this. We're live streaming to uh, both our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Uh, so pick your poison there and. Uh, check out the show next week next wednesday at 11 live mike thanks as always thank you miles everybody have a prosperous week we'll see you next wednesday not thursday god willing next (laughs) wednesday all right okay thank you very much everyone see you on wednesday thanks for listening to ask wild man send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com